Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Heavenly Father, open my lips, our hearts. Thank you that you are the pursuer, that you have a a vision for our lives and for your church and your body and how we're to operate and function and that you would open our eyes to this picture, Lord, this vision and uh, do it through your word. And thank you that you've chosen to use us, you use means, and for that we are very grateful. Jesus in your name, amen. So we're going through parables this summer And today, a parable is uh, kind of a fascinating one. It's this one where Jesus is speaking in the crowd, and I have this picture kind of like he pauses, and all of a sudden, Nero, I mean, all of a sudden, a guy yells out and says, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance. And you're like, are they heckling him, right? You know, like out of the crowd. Think about what it would be like to be Jesus and then have somebody yell out, like, you're trying to deliver this spiritual message, and this guy, what's he thinking about? My brother's holding out on me, right? He's, he, and, and I picture his brothers, like, into Jesus' teaching, maybe. And the, this guy, he's not thinking about Jesus' teaching. He's thinking, I want my money. Now, there's a lot of scenarios that aren't answered. I mean, the guy yelling out could actually have more money than the one who has the inheritance. You never know, you know. Um, and, or maybe the other guy is, is going on. But something is happening in their hearts that we would typically call greed, right? Greed. And this family is being torn up by money. I have met so many families that when someone dies, what happens? Oh, I wanted that silver platter. And my sister came in and she took me, right? I, I could just go on and on. And there's like, there's like all this like problems, you know. I remember I, um, with my dad, he said once, you know, I'm going to give this when, you know, when I pass to your church. I go, if it's not in writing, it's not happening. Because there's no way my brothers and I are going to divide over dollars. That's ridiculous, you know. Um, but you know this happens, and maybe I'm talking to people whose families are divided over dollars. What happens in our hearts when we do this? Well, this guy yells out, Jesus is like, hey, I'm not your judge. I'm, this is part of my mission. And Jesus then says, you know, I've got to tell you a story. I've got a parable because your view on money is tearing you apart. And I'm so convinced that Jesus has a way for us to live and be and interact with money and stuff that is a way of freedom. It's a way that's typically counter to our culture. And it's a way that I believe he wants his people to be defined by, but we're going to struggle with it. Look what he says. He says, take care then. Be on your guard. So he has two warnings, right? Not just once, twice. Take care then. Nothing over there. Be on your guard against all kinds of covetousness, all kinds of greed, for your life doesn't consist of the abundance of possessions. So Jesus is telling us, he's warning us, I want you to take care. Now, here's what I think. Um, Most of the time um, in the Bible, can you remember any passage where Jesus says, take care, be careful, you might commit adultery. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember any of that, no? Why is that? 
Because people know when they commit adultery. They're not like, oh, look what, I, look what happened to me. You know? But most people, we don't know when we're greedy. We might see it in somebody else. Oh, look at their greed, their avarice, their stuff, right? But not us. Most of us, it's like uh, years ago, I, I visited a, a high school friend who was in the hospital, and he, was, he had just had food for the first time in, in weeks because of his drinking. And he still, and it wasn't his first time in the ICU, they knew him by the first name, he still didn't admit, I'm an alcoholic. We started going to AA together, even though I'm not in the program because I don't want to stop drinking. But we went, we, went to, we went together anyways, and I couldn't talk. But after a while, he finally admitted he was an alcoholic, right? And, and this is how it is with greed. We're blind to our own greed. And Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard. And I think we're on our guard. I think we, we watch out by interrogating ourselves. Like, why do I want this thing so much? What, what's going on inside of us, right? What can, can I do without this? Could this money go to someone else? Like, I start asking ourselves questions. And as we go through, there might be some questions. You might start seeing a little more clearly that maybe there's some greed in your life. And when I say this, I, I can see greed in my life at times, too. There's this this thing where money can be more important than God would have it in our lives for the kingdom. So he tells him a parable. And he says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Now, he begins by a rich man. We know nothing about this man except he's rich, right? And by the way, people are rich on earth, but when they get to heaven, many times they're not rich, are they? Right? But here's the land of a rich man. It's producing a lot of wealth. And he thought to himself, what should I do? I've got nowhere to store my crops. Now, here's the interesting thing. We judge him and we're like, give it away. Right? Give it away. But like you and I, we've grown up with a financial system. I would bet everybody here has some kind of bank account. Right? They didn't have banks. You stored your wealth in things, in land right? You, this stuff, the more wealth you had, the more land, the more stuff, the more gold, you know, whatever. You, like they, you possessed your wealth. It reminded me of when I was in India. I would see people who were poor, but they'd have a gold bracelet or a couple gold bracelets or gold toe rings, gold ankle, you know. And these, these women who had these sometimes thick gold on them, and I, I looked into it and Indian housewives hold 11% of the world's gold more than Fort Knox, more than America. It's, it's pretty amazing. Check this out. In India, rural areas are home to 191 million unbanked people over the age of 15. That many people don't have their money in the bank. They buy gold and they accumulate it and they store it up for financial savings. This bracelet might help you through COVID, right? I mean, when things are down, sell the bracelet and you get food. This is for them. A large percentage of the poor are excluded from employment and therefore they don't earn any wages. Most of them work informally. They're the ones who have been hit so hard with COVID. They've got no access to the formal financial institutions and it's no wonder that gold is their mechanism. That's how they 
operate. It's the same back in Jesus' day. Like, there wasn't a bank. So when this guy, we look at him, we judge him, and he, we're like, build bigger barns. But the reality is, is what do you do with all this grain? Yes, you could give it away. But he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to keep my own goods. God has blessed me, right? He's a rich dude. Can I say that rich dudes impress us even to this day? Tell me you haven't said he's got buku dollars. You should see his house. You should see his boat. You should see his car. You should, right? Man, he bought a house. My friend was talking about a, uh, a relative of his who bought this house, and he goes, I, I think I'm no more than like 12 feet from a bathroom any place in his home, right? How many bathrooms this house has, you know? He's like, could you please guide me to the nearest one? You know, like, like it, it's a very large house. You know, we many times get impressed with, with money and, and riches, and this guy says, you know what I'll do? I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build larger ones. I'll store all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Do you talk to yourself? Yeah, you do, don't you? You talk to your fears. You talk to your stuff. This guy's talking to himself. I've been worried. I've been nervous, I've been anxious over how things are going to go for the end of my life. And look, God has blessed me with an abundance from this crop, and now I can relax. Now I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I have goods. And, and, and we look at that and we say, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, what a slob. But you know what? He's quoting scripture. Ecclesiastes says, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a man under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry. Now, I could have actually put another scripture up here that says, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we will die or may die, you know? Which is, of course, if you know the parable, it's what happens to him. But, but he's, you know, on one hand, we can judge this guy, but you could see how he doesn't see anything wrong with how he's living. He's living the good life. God has blessed him. He's eating and drinking and being merry. And yet, what does God say? <coughs> Fool. <coughs> like, like, idiot. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who lay up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. You know, there is something beautiful about giving stuff away. Sometimes I just divest myself of things. Things I've liked, things I've cherished. I'm like, you know what? It's just collecting dust over here. This guy's into this thing. I'm going to see if he wants it, right? One guy that I've seen speak a few times posted these like comic books, old comic, Christian comic books on Instagram. And I message him and go, want some more? Because, like, I had these things, these old, like, you know, Corey Ten Boom, The Hiding Place, in a comic book form. He's like, yeah. I'm like, great, because they're just sitting over here collecting dust, right? Just divest yourself of, of some of the stuff, and you get such a joy. This guy's full joy and full security was caught up in, ah, I don't have to fear. I don't have to have anxiety. And yet, what does James say? You should say, Lord willing. Lord willing, I'll do this. Lord willing, we'll go on the Bible and bike. Lord willing, we'll build this house. Lord willing, we'll have this job. Because you just don't know, right? When my, my mom, we kind of remembered her passing. It was this 
three years ago this past week, and you know, Facebook always brings it uh, up the stuff or my pictures on Google's. And, and um, I remember the mom and dad were redoing their kitchen. And after she passed, you know, my dad's like, she didn't get a chance to enjoy her new kitchen. Of course, heaven is so much better, right? Being in the presence of Jesus, better than a stove, right? Um, <clears throat> but, but you see how we can get, right? And we start having these treasures, and it, they just don't matter in the end. And, and Jesus, when he says, so it is with those who... Uh, lay up treasures for themselves but aren't rich towards God. It's a mic drop moment. I think everybody there was like, what? And I think we have to ask ourselves the question, are you rich towards God? God is not against wealth. I really don't believe that because look at King David, look at Abraham. Like There, there are rich people in the Bible, but if you're going to be wealthy, there's a way of living and having and being with wealth. I believe that is kingdom in a way that is uh, selfish and greedy and covetousness. And uh, I want to look at that a little bit. I want to just look at a couple things. People who are rich towards God are always learning to trust God more than their money. To say it in a negative way, sometimes we're greedy out of a need for security. People who are rich towards God are finding God more beautiful than what money can buy. Sometimes we're greedy out of pride. And lastly, people who are rich towards God are learning to value and invest in what God values. So maybe you got a little checklist as we go on because Jesus has that preaching interruption and dissension in the family and he goes right into that parable and then he follows up in Luke with the same stuff he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, and he says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, nor what you eat, or your body, what you put on. For life is more important than food, and body more important than clothing. So, one test. One thing to interrogate yourself. How anxious are you over money? How anxious are you over money? What does it do when you start thinking about that? And what does Jesus say? Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They, they, neither store, uh, they have neither storehouse nor barns, yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more value are you than the birds? You know, this is so beautiful. Here, God incarnate is walking around, and he's outside, and he goes, look at the bird. Look at the bird. Think about the bird. God takes care of the bird. He'll take care of you. I mean, I think to become a person who has treasure in heaven, we got to do something with our thought life. I mean, be honest. There are times you're like, Lord, I'm anxious over money. I'm anxious over this. I need, I need help with this. And I think he would say, start thinking about the birds. Or maybe think about past times where you struggled and God came through for you, right? I remember Betty saying, I went through a very difficult time and and I still gave of my little bit to God, and he always provided. Sometimes you can talk to somebody else, and their testimony can help you become a person who is rich towards God because you're not anxious over your finances. You're treasuring it. And I think this comes in holy moments. Holy moments where you start seeing like 
the big picture, even in the small things. That's what Jesus is doing. I want to show you a small thing, almost a mundane thing, a a thing that you might ignore, and yet in the midst of thinking about this little thing, all of a sudden, God blows your mind. You get a big picture in the small thing. One of my wife's uh, favorite artists are J.J. Heller. And I was riding in the car with her not too long ago, and I was just thinking, man, Lord, this is such a blessing to be with someone I love driving down the road. It's like this, this, this mundane moment was transformed into something sacred and something beautiful. And then I tuned into the song that was on the radio that, was on, that she was playing, and I'm like, this is what the song's all about. So I thought I'd give you just a taste of small things becoming holy moments. I'm not into the uh, illustration, but the words are on this one, so I put it up. Heartbeats only happen one at a time, one at a time. You can't rush a moment, so don't even try, don't even try. There's a symphony you're missing. If you only listen, you'll find big magic in the who are rich towards heaven that you were learning to to consider the ravens you know i grew up we we were singers our family would sing in the car maybe none of none of you do that anymore with so much uh, technology but we used to sing this one song and and it it in a real way it gave me peace we it said we ain't got a barrel of money Maybe we're ragged and funny, but we'll travel along singing our song side by side, right? Through all kinds of weather, what if the sky should fall as long as we're together? It don't matter at all. And you know, that's the church, right? You know, the church is a place where, where we support each other. So somebody's sinking over here, but somebody all is having a windfall. And in the church, if you are humble enough to let your needs be known, that person with a windfall goes, oh, I can help out with that situation, right? There's this, there's this grace that comes in a community of believers where we support one another, 
We are like, Lord, you care for the ravens. And one way you care for the ravens is you humble me enough to let my needs be known. And you, you fill others up to be able to say, I'm going to give of my resources to others in the community. Well, Jesus goes on and he, he has another kind of greed. One kind of greed is based on fear. And we're looking to our money to give us what only God can give us. And another kind is based on pride, right? Pride, look at this way. Consider the lilies. Look how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God, who so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow stone in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? I think there's a kind of greed where we use our money to prove our worth to others. Look at the house, look at the car, look at the stuff, right? And here's the funny thing. The ones who use their money out of fear and kind of hoard it in their accounts, you know, they judge these kind of people, right? And these kind of people who use their money to kind of show off, they judge those hoarders over there, right? It's like, my greed is better than your greed. No, your greed is better than my greed. I, I, I think Jesus would say to us today, hey, don't use your money uh, to make yourself attractive, worthy, fill the hole in your heart. Y you know, God would say, find your fullness and your beauty in me, right? I tell young people, you know what's attractive? Confidence. Where do you get confidence? Well, when you know that you're a sinner, but you're deeply loved by God, he makes you confident, right? That's one of the most beautiful traits, uh, and we get confused. I was reading a, an article about a guy. He designed a whole house just to show off his cars. His whole house is like a museum, and you can actually have a meal around cars and sit around these vehicles, all these old vehicles. And, you know, it's easy to judge him, but frankly, this lives in my heart too, right? We want to show everybody. We want to prove that, and greed can show up that way. And then the last point, fear not, little flock. It's, it's your daddy's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, some of you were going, you know, I didn't really have any fear until you just read that line. <laughs> Sell your possessions and give to the needy. You're like, what? I'm out, right? Provide for yourselves, uh, I'm sorry, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasures in heaven that don't fail, where no thief approaches, nor no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, does Jesus want us all just to sell everything and give our money away? Is that what he's talking about here? Do you remember I said in that time, how did you bank your stuff? possessions, right? You had stuff. I think Jesus is saying you should be willing to lower, to take money out of your savings, to lower your net worth for the sake of the kingdom. Maybe not sell everything, but you should be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to lower my net worth. I'm willing to give sacrificially. I'm willing to take money out of this account or that account to give to the cause, to give to ministry, to give to people who are needy, to give to your neighbor, your friend. Like, like lower your standard of income. He's saying this is, this is something 
that is a picture of my body. This is what, what I look like on church. People who say, you know what, I, I see that they're sinking and, and I, I'm going to sink a little bit voluntarily so they can float. They're hurting some financially and I'm going to take from, from my resources that I could have used for something else or fun or a meal out or whatever it is and I'm going I'm to help them float. And in that day, the bank accounts were your stuff. Sell your stuff. And, and Jesus is saying, when you do that, you actually are banking in heaven. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, how do we do it, right? How do we become these kind of people? I, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to know how treasured we are by God. Like that guy with the cars, I bet if you were there, he would just glow telling you about his cars. You know what I'm talking about. You ever see somebody who collects something? They just light up when they start talking about it. Jesus lights up because he calls us his treasured possession. When you got something special. So I used to always joke with my dad um, because he had an original Red Ryder BB gun from his childhood. And I'd be like, Dad, um, <clears throat> I don't see in your will where I get the Red Ryder. Um, you know. And I, <laughs> I remember one time meeting with some people and my dad, and I go, hey, where's the Red Rider? And um, one day, my dad calls me, and he goes, hey, stop by. I'm like, okay. He goes, I got something I want to give you. And he hands me the Red Rider. That thing is, I treasure that thing. My dad's Red Rider. I haven't lost an eye. <laughs> and... Um, but that's how Jesus feels even better about me, right? It's like... Like, he treasures you and me, and it's so beautiful. Um, one author said this, This wealth, this treasure consists of pardon, peace, salvation, union with God. Uh, in God, it signifies faith. That the individual is rich in God who has saving faith, which God gives him and, and holds them with gratitude by faith as his own. Such a man is truly rich. However, little he may have of earthly goods. You know, he's saying, we are rich when we have this beautiful relationship with God. I don't know, some of you might have seen this viral uh, video about a gal who auditioned for, um, not The Voice, help me out here, for uh, American Idol. Uh, what is it? That's it. You know, I get always these things confused because I don't watch them. I just watch the clips that go viral. And I watch this clip... And man, it, I teared up. There's this gal on there, and she starts uh, talking, and she goes, I'm going to sing a song called I'm Okay. And then as she's talking, they're, they're kind of interviewing her, and she's like, yeah, I got cancer. Presently, it's in three places in my body, but I'm okay. And you're like, what? And she said some stuff that was so profound. She goes, it's important that everyone knows that I'm not so much... I'm so much more than the bad things that happened to me. And then she said, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. And I read a post, a blog post that she wrote um, back in March. And I think when you start thinking about, Lord, how do I wean myself from my greed and, and, and even just see it, I, th I think it's tied into knowing Jesus so intimately and so personally. 
And look what she writes. She goes, I've had cancer three times now, and I'm barely past 30. There are times when I wonder, what must I have done to deserve such a story? I, I fear sometimes that when I die and meet God, he'll say, I'm disappointed. Or, or I offended him, or I failed him. Maybe he'll say, I just never learned the lesson. Or I wasn't grateful enough. But one thing I know for sure is this. He can never say that he didn't know me. I'm his downstairs neighbor banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with a song, sometimes with curses, sometimes with apologies, gifts, questions, demands. I see mercy in the dusty sunlight that outlines the trees, in my mother's crooked hands, in the blanket my friend left for me, in the harmony of wind chimes. It's not the mercy that I ask for, but it's mercy nonetheless. And I learn a new prayer. Thank you. It's a prayer I don't mean, but I repeat it until I do. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, call me blessed, sought after, call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I'm the one whose belly is filled with loaves of mercy hidden for me. Even on the days when I'm so sick, sometimes I lay on the mat in the afternoon, in the afternoon light, and I just listen to him. And I know it sounds crazy, and I can't really explain it, but God is there, and even now, I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough. And it's true. If you can't see him, look lower. Consider the ravens. And here's what I think. So many times I, th I say, you're treasured, I'm treasured, the gospel is good news. But if that good news just sits with me, I'm just fat, dumb, and happy. If, if Jesus loved me so much, he gave his life for me, then I should be somebody that starts giving my life and living my life for others. People matter to God, not just lost people, church people, the extra grace required people, they all matter to God. Recently, I got a newsletter from Ruth Munkabanda Powell, and we support her as a, a person who works with children and, and sharing the gospel with children, but, but she actually met her husband, uh, and she was from Zambia, and met him at a conference and moved to the U.S., but she still does work in Zambia. And it's this beautiful work, and she's built like an orphanage and a, a children's home. And in her most recent letter, she said, Each day my brother and I woke up and we went to work. And we started finishing the construction on a partially finished building and opened a school for orphans and the vulnerable children in the village. I'm trusting and depending on God for the sustainability of the school. There was a trained teacher in the village who didn't have a job she is one I left in charge teaching the children in the school. I don't have a budget for the school. I, I only did what the Holy Spirit prompted me to do. The, the rest of the story is in God's care. I pray that in the future this story will inspire someone to take the step of faith. I, I, I entrust God. I'm trusting God to provide funds to pay the teacher to run the school. I once saw a wooden carving with the writing on it that said, He who gave teeth will give us bread. 
So I wrote her, Ruth, how much does it cost to, to pay a teacher in, in Zambia? And she said, uh, teachers in Zambia get paid between $200 and $500. That's a monthly income. She said, um, I paid her 110 per month. This, this gal doesn't make a lot of money, Ruth, but she's giving out of the money that people are giving to support her $110 a month to someone who didn't have any job. And, and in a room like this, I think there's people here who could go, Doug, give me her number. I'll cover the rest. Like, I'll just send the money. Like, like for us, for some people, it's chump change. And others may say, well, the six of us could get together and we could actually support one teacher. I wanted to share this with Jim and go, why don't, why don't some teachers at one of the high schools support another teacher in, in Zambia? You know, it's this, I mean, there are, there are kids that, I don't know if I have pictures there. I mean, the, these are... In, from our standards, primitive buildings, but they're their buildings to teach kids that are vulnerable. And I think God would have his church be a people that don't just go, oh, I'm so blessed, I'm so treasured by you, but somehow it moves us to go, and yes, Lord, I want to love others with that same passion and love you had for me. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would mold us from just being receivers of this marvelous grace to being givers of grace. Lead us on in you, Lord Jesus, like only you can. And we'll say thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.